Welcome to Horror and More with Anya Gore. I am your horror mistress, Anya. And tonight I have a very special guest, somebody that I've been trying to have on here for a while. And he is so, so, so busy. And I can't wait for him to tell you about his podcast. This is Andy from Straight Chillin' Podcast. Hi, Andy. Hey, Anya. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. You know, I know I'm a hard one to to nail down, but um, we finally made it happen. So I'm psyched to be here. I'm I'm so psyched you're on here too. And I want you to tell people about your podcast, all about it, because oh. it is awesome. Oh, that's very sweet of you. I'm not going to be that sweet about it because I am famously our most vocal critic. Um, yeah, we, we do a horror movie po- review podcast where we review a weekly movie. We've been doing it. We I don't think we've missed a week in a few years now. We just hit our 400th episode last December. And so we've been going for a long time. It's me and two of my oldest, closest friends. Um, and we have no expertise whatsoever. And we're just talking, talk, shooting the breeze about horror movies as often as possible. We all live in different areas of the world these days. So it's a good way for us to keep up. And for some reason, you know, putting things out into the world, uh, somebody got interested in it. And now we have a, a minor following. And I'm very, very psyched about that. And I'm very, very sorry to the following that we have because I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are wildly entertaining. You really are. I'm glad to hear that. I, <laughs> I, I, I wish I could hear it myself, but maybe one day. <laughs> I know it's. I'm, I'm teasing. People think I'm too too hard on us, but I I just laugh at us. That's all. <laughs> well, I mean, it's different when it's you sitting there right. riffing with your friends versus what the public knows about you so they're not taking their own personal experience with you into the podcast right whereas when you're with your friends you guys are all giving each other shit and it's fun oh yeah yeah we're at our, our uh i don't know our most relaxed probably or i feel that way so yeah it's a, it's a good time check it out straight chilling podcast is what it's called and we are on all of your podcatchers we're everywhere we cannot be we cannot be subdued so <laughs> Well, I was just telling Andy that um, my podcast has kind of refined a little bit recently to a lot of horror movie reviews. And I didn't start off my podcast that way necessarily. I just wanted it to encompass anything kind of horror related or topics that people want to talk about. But I've just been connecting with a lot of other reviewers and I want to be doing unusual horror movies you know i i went and saw scream like i can still enjoy the the popcorn horror but i like stuff that just gets under your skin that you have to watch more than once to sit with and to actually have a conversation about and stuff that you want to scream at the top of your lungs like don't watch this or do watch (laughs) this and we're gonna get along famously i think I think so, too. And I'm really curious about how you felt about this movie, because I watched it twice for this episode and um, I got all the feels. It's very strange. (laughs) You did a full body shudder just now for those keeping score at home. (laughs) So, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask. I mean, I don't know if it's it's. I may, I'll let you run the show. You know what? What am I doing? You run the show. You tell me what we do next. I was going to ask you for your opinion of the movie, but I don't know if you're ready for that. So let's go. Oh, I don't even know if I can answer it completely. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I will say the last episode that I did recently, which hasn't aired yet, mid episode, based on what my guests were saying, I had a bit of a change of heart. So oh. I that doesn't happen a lot and that's why i like talking about these complex movies because when you're talking about outside of popcorn or you know fluff you get to sit and really listen to the opinions and you know it's you learn things that you might not have even thought of yourself that's Mm -hmm. one thing that i take away a lot when i when i listen to you guys um specifically you i just have really resonated with your opinions about things you know, there there have been movies that you guys have reviewed and I've been like, oh, I never thought about that. And then it sticks with me and I'm like, I'm thinking about that. And now now I have a different opinion. Well, years of bullshitting book reports. Like, what can I say? <laughs> um, no, I, I, that's that that pleases me. And yeah, like the, the I've experienced the feeling of having my opinion changed 
so many times that at this point I feel like it's it's almost part of the process because the the intentionality of sitting down to talk about a movie it it makes you feel like you you don't want to there's like it's like both you guard yourself a little bit your opinion because you don't want to be like you know swayed you, there's a defensiveness around that that you just kind of have to tamp down because you're meeting people on an equal playing field if that makes sense so it 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 I guess keep helps me keep an open mind whereas if I, I was purely just bullshitting with my friends over a beer <laughs> it I might just be like ah you're full of it or what you know it's, you're wrong it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we still joke around and all that stuff, but we do try and get to the root of stuff as much as we are capable of doing that, which your mileage, your mileage may vary. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good. I like it because you guys review a lot of various genres and subgenres and levels, you know, some indie and, and blockbusters. So it's good if it's not you're you're not just pigeonholing yourselves which is important no we we do make a very conscious effort to to keep it broad in part because i'm of the same mind as you where i like to find the movies that you know i wouldn't have maybe been able to convince my friends to watch with me otherwise (laughs) (laughs) you know that sort of thing which is a smaller pool now than it used to be but back when we started the podcast it was like Oh, you guys want to watch this crazy Japanese horror movie called Hausu, which is now like all of our favorite movie, basically. And then we, it'd be like, no, f- 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 fuck that. We're going to just watch, I don't know, Scream 1, The Faculty, you know, the the, the old standbys for our generation, the Faculty, which is great, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is fine. But also, you know, I, I like to branch out a little bit and find the really odd stuff that's tough to grapple with. Um, so... I think we're of the same mind there. Mm-hmm. And so is the movie we're about to discuss. So yeah. we are going <laughs> to talk about 2021's The Innocence, which is a Norwegian film directed by Eskilvoit. I don't know if even if I'm saying that right, but I'm attempting to butcher it publicly. So <laughs> look, you put it all the way out there. And if you're right, great and if you're wrong you're gonna get the same comments either way (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true um i find when i give a little context to these movies i like to go by what letterboxd has said and their review i they're newer to me and Mm -hmm. i am not a big imdb person so (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna follow what the innocent says but this is your spoiler warning if you haven't seen this Go watch it, come back, listen to what we have to say about it. And if we think you should even watch it, I'm not going to tell you yet. That's how messed up this movie oh, is. Oh, wow. <laughs> man, no uh, no recommendation, no non-recommendation. Just nope. Go into this one blind. If you want to find out, you're going to be spoiled. <laughs> Pretty much. You're going to have to work through this with us. With us, exactly. <laughs> we had to, to go through this one and feel everything that we felt, and that's what I want mm-hmm. you to do, too. <laughs> There you go. So the quick summary of what this movie is about. Four children become friends during the summer holidays and out of sight of the adults, they discover they have hidden powers. While exploring their newfound abilities in the nearby forest and playground, their innocent play takes a dark turn and strange things begin to happen. Yeah, that's about right. (laughs) So when you went into watching this, did you had you seen trailers? Did you know what you were walking into? Um, I'm trying to remember. I first saw this last year, um, not terribly long after it came out because, uh, my co-host Soju, Justin, whatever you want to call him, he, uh, he, he heavily recommended it. We tend to sync up on some of these, like, you know, more thinky movies. Um, and that's how he kind of portrayed it to me, um, and to the rest of the podcast. So I was interested and I checked it out. I don't remember if I knew, I don't think I saw the trailer. I'm pretty convinced I didn't see the trailer, but I don't know. I might've known that there's like, I knew it was kid centric. Um, mm-hmm. But that might be about all I knew. How about you? Yeah, I I actually was recommended this one um, from Heidelberg from ah. a, cut, a Cut Above. I know that you guys know know him. Oh, and yeah. Him. Berg and I are tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and him and I, I find we have sometimes a little bit of a different opinion. But when it comes to more of the intellectual horror, I tend to agree with a lot of his opinions. And so he mm-hmm. had told me he recommended this one. And I had really briefly only ever seen the title. So I went into it only on his his recommendation and blind. I hadn't even read what it was about yet. 
fascinating. That, that's the best, man. <laughs> Some movies really need context, but they're, I, I think more often than not, no context is the way to go. I agree. I find mm-hmm. if you go into it not knowing, then you don't know what you're holding out for. And so it mm-hmm. maintains your interest. Oh, yeah. But expectations if- can absolutely ruin a movie. And they're like, I remember, I don't know. If you watch, it's like looking at the Mona Lisa. It's like, this is the best painting of all time, really? Is it? <laughs> like, are we sure? <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, so going into it, just really, really briefly before we kind of dig into everything. Did you enjoy it? Would you recommend it? Yeah, I did enjoy it. I I've seen this was the second time I've watched it. Like I said, I watched it originally, and so like I think the first time I was a lot more mild in my take towards it. Um, I don't know really why. I just this movie doesn't hold your hand very much. You know what I mean? Like it, it shows you what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you miss something, you miss it. You know what I mean? It's it doesn't exactly forgive you of that. So um, luckily, it's also fairly well paced so you don't have to worry too much about missing a whole lot but for me i feel like maybe like i glossed something or i was maybe fixated on one aspect of it which we can get to in a second but this time around i like i just like i started looking at it sort of different from different lenses than i that i wasn't really looking at the first time um lenses that should be fairly obvious to have looked through but i didn't really so i was enjoying it quite a bit more this time around i would have recommended it either either way though it's it's still like it's an ex- incredibly well crafted movie from just like a a visual standpoint and acting like the technicalities are all there i think mm-hmm. so i agree you? with you yeah i i would recommend it but i would also give a warning to people um mm-hmm. not not even necessarily the the children related stuff the animal kill in this one just kind of sucker punched me i didn't really think it was gonna fully go through to fruition and then the sound and Mm -hmm. i just i I didn't like that yeah yeah it's extremely troubling um there's just that there's a few like pieces of very visceral, like yeah. you can feel it in your bones sort of moments. And that's definitely the biggest one. And you're right to rec- you're right to include that in your, in your recommendation because some folks just, just ain't built for that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that I am built for that, but I would say that I was capable of dealing with it because I honestly think that it, it helps the film with certain aspects of its storytelling. It definitely sets the tone. You know that if that is happening that that quick into the film, that you know mm-hmm. that there's going to be more to come. And yeah, that's true. it is sort of that first um, door opening because there's no way a movie is going to start off in the first 20 minutes or so with, you know, a cat being <laughs> basically stomped to death um, and then yeah. nothing further happening. So I did... Um, I did enjoy that they didn't hold back in this movie. Me too. Me too. <laughs> enjoy might not be the proper word, but I appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I struggled. I remember the first time I watched this, one of the focuses, and you had talked about focus, that you mm-hmm. kind of, I felt like my focus ended up being so much on the boy. And mm-hmm. because of that, going in the second time around i watched it without the focus being on him Mm. and kind of removed him as being obviously he's the villain but um being able to see the the strength and the you know tenacity that these three girls have against Mm -hmm. him whereas the first time i watched it i didn't even think about any of that i was so focused on the troubling events that he was doing that's interesting because like the character that I fixated on more than any other was Anna, the mm. um, older autistic daughter and re- really her relationship to Ida. Ida? Ida. Ida. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a moment there. Um, <laughs> um, My brain will escape my skull at times. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I was really fixated on her because I, I, my uh, spouse, Beck, works with intellectually disabled kids and like kids with pretty, pretty severe um, disabilities of, of various natures. 
And so like, it's, it's something that I know a little bit about. And so I was kind of like interested to see how this girl was portrayed. I thought she was portrayed fairly well. Like I think they did their homework or at least made a pretty strong attempt to be respectful to that population. Mm -hmm. But I mean, undeniably this, this isn't not a disabled actress. So take from that what you will, but that wasn't really what I was looking for. I was curious. Did you find out anything about her? I have Googled and researched and I don't, (laughs) I couldn't find anything about her. Really? I, I don't know much about the actress. I know I read one piece from a, an, a critic um, who was specifically talking about potential problematic things surrounding that character. That being sort of the main thing is like it's it's kind of a trap where you, you know, you have this character that that has this disability. And no matter how well you portray it, if your character needs to then act with not have like less disability or like have some sort of variance where they 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 sort of swing back into sort of a normal mode like a typical mode i guess i should say Mm -hmm. then you kind of have to cast somebody that is capable of doing that you can't Mm -hmm. rely necessarily on a a kid who's not capable of doing that so it's kind of a trap and i kind of don't hold it against them uh for doing that especially because the performance i think is really great i think it's trying really hard and succeeding to portray a pretty reasonable uh, like autistic performance i guess mm-hmm. um and it wasn't really the performance i was looking for though i was really like interested in the character because i was like okay so what is this movie going for by making this autistic girl like the the most powerful one is this about like latent like kids on the spectrum maybe the powers come from being on the spectrum of some variety and maybe ben is a little bit on the spectrum and maybe more a little more than anna or ida rather who seems to have very little by way of powers but by the end of the film that kind of falls apart like the very last like climax of the film kind of breaks that Mm -hmm. so when i watched it again and i wasn't really focused on that i actually focused a little bit more on ben a little bit more on aisha um and yeah i found it to be like kind of the whole thing came together a lot more for me Uh, maybe because i already had that groundwork laid or maybe because that just worked better for me right her performance, the um, Anna's performance was, mm-hmm. wow, incredible. It was pretty, pretty impeccable. The reason I wanted to find more information about her was that I know, especially outside of North America, when they're trying to fill these roles, they will oftentimes give the roles to people in, in say, like an autistic role to someone on the spectrum that can mm. have that um experience and bring that to the table and like you said obviously her level of the spectrum wouldn't be very extreme for her to be able to dip into you know the neurodivergent and then the divergent brain but Mm -hmm. that actress being able to do what she was able to do and hold it and but it was so subtle and nothing was over the top it didn't feel Mm -hmm. like you were watching an actress it felt like she was legitimately like this and in her position just this is it felt like a camera was following her around just in her day in day out and i honestly feel like like uh ida's the the performance from from ida kind of helps sell that home mm-hmm. because i mean and this gets kind of to one of the core things about the movie which is a it's, you know this is a kid these are all children. The movie's called The Innocence. And this is the thing that I wasn't like fixating on so much, which is the first time, which is that these are, they are literally children discovering what morality is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anna is kind of like, or I'm sorry, Ida is kind of sort of ground zero for that in this film where she is sort of teetering on the brink of, you know, she's in this uncomfortable situation and there's maybe some resentment towards her sister and maybe she's, but she starts testing limits, which is what kids do. Kids test limits. That's literally what they have to do in order to become functional. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's testing limits. She's pinching her sister. And the first time I watched this, I was like, what a jerk. And, but I'm watching, I'm like, I don't know. She's, she's resents her sister a little bit, not undeservedly or not, not well, not unfairly necessarily. Like it's fair for her to feel that way, Mm -hmm. but she also doesn't necessarily know what, you know, she has no problem like squishing a worm or something, stuff that kids do mm-hmm. and then later have like wake up in cold sweats just before falling asleep thinking, oh, God, why did I do that? <laughs> like, it's one of those things where I was really fixing on that. And because Anna is like sort of the focus of that for her, at least at first, I think that really helped sell her as like, I don't know, the, the autism really read well because of that somehow. 
I'm having heart trouble articulating that, but it seemed like those things really worked in tandem to me. I I agree with you completely. I mean, I think everybody can watch Ida and relate to to her curiosities and her her focus on the, her sister. You know, you can tell she loves her, but at the same time, she doesn't understand her completely. And that's where she, you know, she's testing the limits and going, well, do you feel if I hurt you? And just because mm-hmm. you can't speak it, it because she's so young, I think they said that she was nine in this film or that character was nine. Um, her her brain wouldn't be able to comprehend the ex- extent of all of that, right? And it's interesting watching the guilt come in after some of these situations happen for her. Mm-hmm. Um, which was another theme that I focused on a lot when I watched this the first time was, um, the guilt (laughs) that comes into play after these situations, you know, and I, I will say the second time I watched it, I made a note of it actually here that (sighs) I wasn't sure how I felt about that trope of Ben hitting all of the stereotypical psychopath labels right he pushes his buttons he doesn't get along well with people he's missing a father figure he likes to kill animals you know like there was an element of that that i i didn't like but i can't really pinpoint why because it added to the story arc (laughs) yeah i think honestly i had I, i felt a little bit similarly and it was i think because it was kind of on the nose feeling like I don't know this movie is has a lot of subtleties but I don't think that's one of them I think anybody who watches that cat scene is immediately going to connect that synapse in their brain that tells them oh yeah when I watched Mindhunter they said that this was (laughs) psychopathy that's what this kid has that's what's going on with this kid and that's pretty reductive ultimately so yeah especially because I think he and Ida are like kind of the same that they're the context of their lives um maybe dictate like maybe veers them in separate directions by the end but they start out being like buddies they meet each other they're friends they enjoy uh uh i don't know like talking about things that scare them and like i forget exactly all the things that happen but like mm-hmm. they're okay hurting things like and eventually that comes to a head with the cat and that's the moment that is too far for ida mm-hmm. and that like that's when like that's that formative experience as a kid where it's like okay i tested a limit and i saw what happened and this is not what i want to be and <laughs> this is not this is clearly not right i shouldn't be doing this but he doesn't have that he doesn't get to go home to a mom that's she, he she he can ask like uh what do you do about mean people she gets to ask that question of a mom mm-hmm. his mom doesn't want anything to do with him it's pretty plain he's his home life aside from the dad father figure thing his home life is pretty trash like he's he's belittled looked down upon he's his most full self when he's not at home Mm -hmm. and he's very constrained at home i mean i think that there's a nurture over nature argument happening with that a little bit absolutely you know i i wish i knew more about um i guess the the history of where they think psychopaths are developed or you know sociopaths Mm -hmm. i don't know enough but that does seem to be the the common element there is that they're missing that nurture yeah i mean that that's certainly a big one yeah (laughs) just a little just a little yeah and i don't know there's something like in this story like it's again like the thing that i kept coming back to and this was (laughs) i'm so proud to say i verified this by hearing the director doing a director um finding a quote from the director that kind of spoke to this and I was like okay great I was on something here but it was the idea that this is the you don't start necessarily with a compass a moral compass that has to sort of develop like anything else like like you don't start with hair like you don't start with Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. you have to build that up and your environment is going to have a hell of a lot to do with that whether or not you think believe in predestination or what it's it just it's going to have something to do with it. So even these kids who ostensibly are like the same, they have a key f- like factor in the extremely complex parts of their lives, their inner lives that makes it so that it's okay for one character to do this heinous act. Whereas it's not for this other character. And it's pretty clear by the end of the movie that 
it's an aberrant behavior on his part, not just because of how we feel about it, but because the other kid, at least the filmmaker is pointing in that direction. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine that they're, (laughs) I can't imagine that their narrative was, you know, this is great. Do this. (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting. Toying with, uh, toying with the brink of morality when you don't really know where the lines are drawn. That's I think. Absolutely. Did this, I'm curious, did this movie bring up any memories that you had as a child that you would have gotten to a point of questioning morality or going through anything? I know I had a specific incident that came to my mind. Really? No, I mean, I, from what I read, and again, like the director said that that's a common thing that people apparently say is like, oh, it makes them think about things they did, but they regret when they're young. I don't think I really... I don't remember having that thought, mm. but with the thought I did struggle with, with my own morality was how much do I actually hate this kid, Ben? Do I want him to die? <laughs> do I really want a child to die? Am I going to like really go, go home at the end of this movie after eating popcorn and think to myself, yeah, that kid deserved it. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I feel good about that. I know. Even though he is a straight up murderer and, you know, fuck anybody who fucks with Aisha and her mom, in my opinion. But yeah, um, <laughs> the sweetest kid in the movie gets like brutalized oh, in this by her mom. Brutalized. Oh my god, that was worse for me than the cat. And like that's that's a tall order because humans are like hardwired to see. I don't know. You see so many on-screen deaths, even not usually kids. No, but um, you know, that it's like that famous trope of you got to kick the dog. So, you know, that the villain's truly a villain, you know, that sort of thing. People Absolutely. Are protective of innocent animals who have no way of veering for morality. I, that last scene um, where that's happening and you're watching the mother kind of realize it as mm-hmm. she's coming out of her trance. It, cause I'm a mom and I've got a seven and a half year old. So the age is pretty similar and it just, gutted me and i was like kudos to that director because that's what they wanted you to do to feel was gutted after mm-hmm. well after she got gutted too soon too soon yeah. <laughs> no i mean accurate <laughs> um yeah that was so hard to watch and I, yeah. I i'm not a parent but you know i've worked with kids before and things and i i, I really I don't know. You don't have to have much empathy in your soul True. to see that. To feel that as horrifying. So, um, not exactly making a brag there, but no, Ophelia <laughs> is all I'm saying. <laughs> it it's gonna it's gonna hit anybody that yeah, yeah. ought to yes yeah and and that's why it was such a powerful scene. I thought. Yeah. You know, it's I, interesting. You know what, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, please go. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like in the, the the casting, like overall the casting, I'm I'm gonna gush about at some point. But the casting of Aisha and her mom, like they didn't like this is not a Hollywood production, and it shows. These are like feel like regular people, and their performances are on the heights of any famous actor you'll find of their mm-hmm. age. Um, like the mom, the Aisha, like everybody in this movie, I think is like impeccably cast, and it really really like they're not supermodels or anything like that these are real feeling people so it made that scene just so much more brutal to me agreed and i felt as well i really liked that um the girl who played aisha she's the condition that she had is vitiligo and she really has that so it's interesting to see you know minorities first of all on screen playing these main mm-hmm. characters but also people with visible i guess what by Hollywood standards, imperfections. And mm-hmm. it's just that didn't deter or take away or anything from the, her character. Yeah. If anything, it almost made her so endearing because at that age, they don't care. They're not aware. They're not vain. You know, it it just really added to the innocent feeling of these young kids. And I loved that. Absolutely. And like it, it just like, it's like any kid on the street. You're like, yeah. I don't know. There's, it's very easy to connect with these kids, especially Aisha, because she's the one who is, like, her her moral code seems actually pretty developed. Like she is the you know lawful good, I guess, for lack of a better term, in the situation. She's, uh, 
at some point she's having a telepathic conversation with Anna and saying like, no, your hair's this color. My hair's this color, but they're both good. And like, she's like, absolutely like the sweetest kid on earth. So they do a lot to make your heart completely fall apart. in that scene. Mm-hmm. they lay the groundwork really well. They, yes, I agree with you. I saw some, some reviewers not enjoying the things like that and the pacing of this movie. And I thought, you know, I, I I didn't click with the negative reviews of this movie at all. I thought this everything yeah. about this movie was incredible. Um, yeah. one one thing that I read a reviewer say, and if this is the case, I would need to go back and watch it again. But they asked, "Do you think the special powers come with the apartment complex?" That had never occurred to me until I read <laughs> that, and then I thought, well. That changes everything if that's the case. Does it? Because <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like to, I, I had that thought because the, the first Did time you? I watched Ooh. this, yeah, like again, because like the the autism thing was kind of heavily on my mind that first time, and I was thinking, I was looking for clues that maybe that is what that was like the allegorical superpowers, like okay, kids that are differently abled, you know, as they say, so mm-hmm. may have deficiencies here, but capabilities there, and it people don't understand it and can't communicate well with it. And these kids can use, like, I don't know. I thought there was something going on there that by the end, it just doesn't feel like that's quite right. Um, so I also had considered though, but that, that led me to think, okay, so, cause I'm in the mindset of thinking about where these powers come from. And I don't think we actually have any sort of answer that. None. Yeah. And nothing firm. And I don't think you really need one. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I feel like that's one of the unanswered questions that you're actually not even concerned about. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but so what you're I didn't become though, concerned like... about it, though, until they said until they mentioned that. And then I thought, well, huh, they never even addressed that as being an option. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if it was, and then it got me kind of spiraling. Like if it, if it was the apartment complex, what other things have happened there that we just don't know about? Why was there an empty place for them to suddenly be able to move into? There's a lot of kids there and all of the kids are taken away during the summer. There's hardly any kids there. True. Do the parents know this? Are they removing their kids from the possibility of this stuff happening when they're not within their control? Like, oh, just that thought got me going and it got me wanting to watch it again to see if there were elements of more focus on the apartment complex that I just missed. Yeah. I mean, it could be, there could be something to that. I mean, you could definitely make the, the argument, I think. Um, ultimately, like I don't, it doesn't impact the way I watch the movie. I don't yeah. Think. Yeah. Um, so like, it's kind of an academic question. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't know. Like, it's it's just the question that that's least least needs to be answered for me in this movie, because what it's about is so much more interesting and so much more universal than, you know, whether or not there's chemical ooze in the lake or <laughs> if it's on an ancient magician burial ground. A burial ground, know. of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, those things are, are means to an end. So I, if you in a in a. In a genre that's got those means to an end just like littered all over the ground, all over the place. I think it's okay to just walk right over them. Look at them. <laughs> and if you've got a strong enough story, you don't need it. That's that's true. And if the acting is that strong, it, it's not even really something you carry with you. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you did you have any lingering questions about this movie? Did you finish it and go, I I didn't get this answered or this wasn't satisfied or this wasn't resolved? Honestly, I think that most of the lingering questions for me are like philosophical questions. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. You, I could, I, I could, because like I said, there's ways of looking at this, like different lenses you can look at it through. You can look at it like as through an adult lens, like I can tell, oh, putting glass in your sister's, your disabled sister's shoes probably a pretty, makes you a pretty shitty person. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's what my adult brain tells me. Then I was like, okay, think about this as a kid. Think about this as a good kid, a bad kid, a kid who doesn't know any better. And I don't know, there's a million ways to look at it. And I feel like the powers can be interpreted all kinds of different ways. If you want to, the source of them is kind of like, I don't know, like for the most part, the things that were interesting to me were about the crux of morality and childhood. And I don't know, all those things that if I list enough words, it'll sound like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it. It's good. You know, the, the, the memory that this prompted in me wasn't even, it's not even anything I did, but I remember, I want to say I was in grade maybe three or four. So I was right around that nine, 10 year old age. And I was playing outside in the back of the elementary school and I came across a crow that had been just brutally mutilated and it was sitting in there and I found out that it was a handful of the boys in my class had done this and that imagery and thought stuck with me for so long I remember obsessing about the idea of pain that this bird went through and what they, was it alive when they did it? Did they kill it beforehand? You know, and at at that age, you're just really starting to understand that animals actually experience pain, that there's, you know, other people and other things out there. And so when I was watching this, I felt like I could really kind of feel what Ida was feeling when you see her crying and getting upset immediately and then instantly mm-hmm. backs off and wants nothing more to do with him yeah it's a visceral reaction that's that's a sad story man like, I, i'm i don't know i think that a lot of kids do those sorts of things that yeah. are not currently psychopaths they're like i don't know accountants or some shit and <laughs> you know that's I, like this is the thing is like whether or not we as adults again like it's whether or not we as adults recognize it for what it is or you as a kid can't really see that yet. Mm-hmm. Haven't developed the the muscle that allows you to empathize with another person or creature. I mean, that's an interesting zone to play in. And this movie is playing in it in a way that I haven't seen another movie really play in that I can think of. Um, Not really accurately. Impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And to make I- it the central focus, I mean, no, nobody else does that as far as I can remember. Agreed. And I feel like that's why this movie is very standout and standalone. Mm. I would be curious. I haven't seen the director's any of his other films. Me neither. Um, he I don't think so. I'm gonna look it up real quick because I know I heard like he, he won an Oscar before this working with do you have this information? I did, and then my phone okay. froze. Um, oh, here we go. Iskil. Oh, was it Thelma, I believe? That was his first movie on his own, I think. Did he win for that? That's a good question. I don't know. The worst person in the world, he wrote that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sorry, not a Von Trier. A Joachim Trier movie. I thought it was Von Trier, but it's a different Trier. Good to know. There's more than one? I didn't realize there was more than one. Really? Yeah. Are they related? Jo- Joachim? No, it doesn't look. I mean, unless there's no Vaughn, so I, I'm assuming now. Probably. Um, yeah. Interesting. Another Nordic filmmaker. I just, I think I, uh, in one of the searches I found, they were saying just Trier. And I was like, oh, he worked with Von Trier. Oh, I haven't heard of this movie by him. But yeah, I, it seems like he's got a pretty good catalog of work. But as far as things he's directed, it's six things, three of which are shorts, one of right. which is some TV series. So still pretty fresh in terms of like helming a movie on his own. It's really impressive to see a first, well, not first time director, but to have his first fil- feature length film like this. Like th- like I said, this is a movie that doesn't hold back. They are just submersing themselves into the extreme um like you said, morality questions and mm-hmm. with children, ooh, ooh, that was I know ballsy and but good and not stand-ins for children. These are truly kids, which a lot of movies that feature you know the murder of a child might have you know a slightly older kid, so you can stomach it better. They don't play that game with this one. And yeah. he did redirect one other movie before this completely, which is called Blind, which mm-hmm. I don't know anything about, but just. Just I'm curious about him. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that and like check out what what he won this Oscar for and all these other things. Uh, I mean, the the cinematography, the audio in this is very sparse, and I love that. Like every moment is kind of quiet. The powers are very, very you know understated. They don't mm-hmm. go huge with it. The biggest they go is with like the visions that Ben is able to impart onto people. 
which is just like, you know, nightmare world stuff, but you know, still even it's just mostly dark and then there's like an ominous presence involved usually. Um, so I don't know. I like the way this guy works. He's very I don't know. I don't know the word for it, but I like it. <laughs> Subtle but impactful. Yeah, definitely. He he does a lot with a little and I mm-hmm. I heard I you were saying like you don't agree with some of the critics that uh, like some of the critiques of this movie and there's one critique that I heard I saw a couple places which is that it's overly long. Yeah, I don't feel that. Like, I, I didn't feel, feel that, that either. Yeah. Mm-mm. It really feels like it, it takes its time, but you know, if you have a taste for movies that make you take your time, there are movies that are way more of a slog than this one. I yes. was just trying to like decipher the Rubik's cube of like Anna or um, Ida's mind for starters as our sort of like pivotal character, the one we pivot off of. And then I don't know what, what, what's not to chew on here. You know, I agree. What I, what I like about pacing like this for this genre or this type of movie, I find if you're watching a movie where there's a lot of metaphors or it's heavy, or you're really having to sit and think with things, if they're moving on to the next thing, you are missing things because now your brain is two steps behind. You've missed something and you get irritable about it and you can't keep up. And then you're not watching it because of the impact it's made on you. You're watching it because it sped through so fast and you've missed 30 things. Absolutely. Perfect example. I don't know if you've seen this movie called Santa Sangra, a Jodorowsky film. I, I've never seen it before, like last week when I recorded an episode um, of Waxing the Porpoise with my boy Jim and Steve, my boys, I guess I should say. Um, they recommended this movie to review. And that that is a like, that's a thinky movie. It's got a lot of like metaphor, parable, like like symbology, all these things. It's very it's very out there um mm-hmm. and but it also moves at a freaking rapid pace and i felt like I, that's that's what annoyed me more not annoyed but like that was more challenging for me than this i'd rather stew in it for a minute get the mm-hmm. flavor of it and then move on and then be able to better recall those feelings as i piece together the ultimate like point or the ultimate point of view of the film um just i don't know maybe maybe i just am not quick enough to really get what he, what Jodorowsky's saying, but I feel like give me a slow pace over a quick pace if you want me to think about it. That's my feeling. I agree with you. There's very few quick paced movies that are successful with having that heavy of a metaphor or deep thinking um, processing needs, right? Mm-hmm. Like like give me a, a train to Busan, but don't add in elements of the innocence to it. I'm not going to be able to figure out what's yeah. going on. Yeah. I can want, I I can pick apart psycho Gorman after the fact. Thank yeah. you. Let me, let me just take, if you're there for a thrill, it's a, it's a difference between a thrill ride and a, like a, a one man show or a play. It's like, mm-hmm. these are different modes. You know, there's a million, there's a spectrum entirely between those two things. And, you know, if you're trying, it really, demands and and inversely correlates to how heavy, like you said, the processing power required is as to whether or not it needs to be slower or or faster. I don't know. That's not a, I don't like making rules, so it's not a hardened rule, but I would say that's, that's my, that's my inclination. It seems pretty accurate. We'll go with it. Thank you. (laughs) We'll call it a rule. Put it in the book. Put it in the next scream. (laughs) Oh, God. No. <laughs> it's okay. But they're they're hard up for rules right now. I think. Apparently. Did you see the new one? I did. We did a review of it and you know, I feel like I feel like we're not we were not men of the people in that episode. Um yeah. It was a film. Okay. It was a movie. I liked watching that film. Did I you? Watching it. I did. It was, that is not the end of my thoughts on it. It was it was a fun movie. The screen movies are fun. Yeah. First and foremost, they're supposed to be fun. And it mm-hmm. hit that mark at least. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Um That's not what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. I can <laughs> I could talk about the screen movies, but no, I one of the things that I you mentioned about this movie that really I I am in love with quiet movies. 
there was not a massive soundtrack to this. You weren't, they didn't have the doom, 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 mm-hmm. ominous, you know, preclude to what's about to happen. And it made it so impactful when you did hear the sounds, you know, like, like you said, the glass in the shoe, when you hear her foot squishing down on it and she's walking yeah. around with blood and you know what she's feeling. Yeah. It's pretty bad. <laughs> that scene. Ooh, no, sorry. No, I was thinking about that feeling. Sorry. No, the the audio is absolutely incredible. I, I'm I'm totally the same way where it's like, it, if it's really easy for a, like in a soundtrack, like original score or whatever, it's meant to help you get into a certain frame of mind. It's supposed to guide you into a certain emotion and it can very easily like become noticeable and feel manipulative Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, soap opera mute soundtracks are so hokey. That's what we recognize as being, like, hokey, especially in a dramatic sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm very happy with films who allow you to understand for yourself why it's scary that the the girls and their dad are about to walk into the building and there's a guy very quickly approaching behind them. Yeah. <laughs> that scene was fucking terrifying. terrifying it's like that scene in the strangers that everybody louds because <gasps> there's no musical sting nothing like, i i know the scene you're talking about yep yeah yep. and for like, for good reason it's a, an incredible scene that like kind of proves that theorem that is like you don't need to you don't need to conjuring up like a big boogan jump scare like mm-hmm. a, you can have a jump scare you can have a calm scare you can you can do it without the like you said, like the dun duns or any of the like, I don't know. That was that was little that was a little law and ordery, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. I mean, there's a place and a time for that stuff, you know. John Carpenter's yeah. scores are awesome. The but... place for that is something like Knives Out or something. Like, or like exactly, you know, but like even like a Poirot <laughs> mystery or something like. Oh, this elegant score! Like, it, there's many mm-hmm. places for that, mm-hmm. especially when it's diegetic and like built into the world of the film. Um, what was the movie we were watching recently? A movie called The Witching Season, which is really like a bunch of short anthologies made by like scrappy young filmmakers or whatever. And like at one point they used, um, they had Night of the Living Dead on TV because it's a low budget movie and that's a free movie you can put yeah. in the movie. <laughs> but they used the audio from that to be their score. And I was like, that's a brilliant way of handling that because it feels natural. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's a tense moment. You don't, necessarily want to tip your hand by having like you know a bad i don't know like you don't want to overplay your hand so one way of handling that is to allow something in the scene to act as your score and this movie does that too like you said like the sound effects and things like that the mixing the mixing yes yes love it i i agree (laughs) i don't know i don't have a lot of like notes for this movie because the first time I saw it, like I said, I was just kind of like hyper focused on a couple of like key things that that limited my view of how many ways you can digest this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty pleased with it. Me too. So I'll yeah. I'll let you know um, sort of what IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and Letterboxd gave on Please. the scores, and then you let me know if you think they're accurate or if you would change any of them. All right, let me break out the calculator. (laughs) (laughs) So um, down to the decimal on this one. I throw IMDb in here because people love IMDb. I am Mm -hmm. not a fan of it myself. I'll use it as resource information. So give me the director, give me the actors who was in it. But I personally don't agree with a lot of their scores. That is fair. That (laughs) is very fair. They gave this a seven out of 10. Seven. I feel like IMDb is. I just generally speaking, it's full of misanthropic motherfuckers Mm -hmm. who absolutely score things at least two to three points lower than it ought to be. (laughs) Like every or or on the polar opposite, it'll get a really high review. And then I'm watching yeah. this movie and I'm like, how, how, what were you falling asleep during this movie? Did you get paid <laughs> to review this at the stature? Like what? I think it's really easy to 
review bomb IMDb and it's been around longer than pretty much any of those other, you know, resources for that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think a lot of these movies, this is a newer movie, so probably not this one, but like in general, I think there's a lot of more ways to gain the IMDb score than anything than, than any of those other resources. So I don't really depend on it. I think seven is higher than I would have imagined this movie would have gotten. Yeah. Uh, I was a little surprised that they gave them. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. I thought they would have given it lower because I don't know. I just find intellectual horror doesn't really do well on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Letterbox, Letterbox gave this 3.6 out of 5, which I was a little bit surprised at that too, actually. You know, I have spent almost no time on Letterboxd. I know it's a big, big to do, but I, I don't have a read on what like the mm-hmm. overarching attitude of Letterboxd is. So it's tough for me to say what that is. I don't think 3.6 is high enough for my taste. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> my my understanding of Letterboxd, and I it's like I said, newer to me, so I'm still trying to figure it out, is mm-hmm. apparently there's a lot less um you you're not gonna have reviewers on Letterboxd that are specifically getting paid to up a review or lower a review. It's it's supposed mm-hmm. to be more for the people. <laughs> so okay so it's not it's not broken down by professionality it's like purely that i mean that's good i'm glad that there's a people's choice of websites or whatever but i don't know if it's true but that's just what i've heard so i'm i'm like i said still getting to know it but as a as a prominent member of the unwashed masses i support this in in theory so me too me too exactly (laughs) we we need a place And then uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 96% and 73% was audience score, which fuck you audience, but I'm going (laughs) with the 96% on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm rebuking my unwashed masses status and going with the critics on this one. Um, No, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely am closer to the critics on that one. I think maybe that's, I, I don't know, I'd have to really game out if that's totally accurate or not but i think that my impulse would be to put it in the 90 90 to 95 range so it's not far off for me i i simultaneously as much as i've like criticized like people you know giving this movie a hard time for being slow or not actiony enough or not talky enough or i don't know whatever it is you know i can't hold that too hard against people either because i don't know it, it it's very individualized and so i'm not going to I'm not going to go too hard on the audience for that one. If it was truly like an offensive movie or something and they gave it like a hundred percent, I would maybe tell them to eat shit, but I'm not at that point with this one. <laughs> That's good. I, oh. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I would give it about a 90, maybe, maybe 92, 93%. Yeah. It's, I think it's pretty good. It's, it's a really well done movie. But it's not perfect, but it's really, yeah. really good. It's one of those movies where it's hard to articulate, uh, articulate, <laughs> or it's hard to articulate even what is what it is that's like maybe just a little bit off center for me. But I know there's something to it that's just like you know, it's not like you said, it's not perfect. It's not a movie that like it's not going to be. It's not a desert island movie for me. Although maybe that's a whole different can of worms. But <laughs> it's not like I we did a top. I don't know. We ranked all of our, our all the movies of 2022 for the Straight Showing podcast, and this one was sort of in the middle because it was after that first viewing where I was a little hung up on stuff. I think it would put it in, closer to the top ten for sure for me of 2022. Um, if I was to go back and revise, I'd have to see what drops down, and it's going to break my heart a little bit, I'm sure. But <laughs> I don't know. It's a good movie. <laughs> what can it, I say? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you say the way that you worded that made me think, I feel like there was maybe a little bit of something missing, but I can't tell you what it was. Yeah. So I was mostly satisfied, but kind of walking away going, was I fully satisfied? I was, but was I, <laughs> you know, there's and part of, I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to catch up. No, I, I, I just don't know what it is that I would even say it was missing because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think like if I had to wager a guess what was what it was for me that like isn't isn't quite hitting hundred percent for me is just like I, I I'm a I'm a 
dirty punk rock kid and I like I, I value bluntness in a lot of things. And there's I, I also really obviously value like subtlety and artistry and all those sort of things. And this movie has a lot of that. But yeah. part of me wants that like I want I want the point to be as sharp and painfully obvious as possible. Like there's a part of me that wants that. So maybe that's what it is where I'm like, yeah, it's great, but can I chant about it? Probably not. <laughs> like I'm not, you know, I can't mm-hmm. I can't write a cheer about it. I'm just gonna sit there and be like, I guess there's some thinky things to this movie, which is should be enough, but I don't know. I got a I got a lizard brain that wants wants to want something more raise my fist in the air about it, you know. You know, I did wonder, uh, because I was thinking about that, what is it exactly that what <sighs> like where that little missing piece is mm-hmm. and i i can't tell if it's that he didn't have enough you know comeuppance against him but then i don't like that thought process because it's exactly like you said do i want something major to happen to this young boy like yeah. so i think that might be what's missing is that you want to feel something major happen but you don't want to feel that Maybe honestly, the core of it is, you know, is the war we have about how we see morality. Like, oh my god, for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I just went there. You know, <laughs> you're looking for pomposity, and there it is. I brought it. <laughs> no, but really though, like, like part of what, like I can't feel like super psyched about this movie because it makes me feel weird about the way I view morality towards kids who do bad things for example like yes how i feel about myself this movie troubles you know interesting and maybe maybe that is one of the reasons why the critics are pinpointing that it's things like length and it's not actually the length it's their own morality that's getting questioned and they don't even know how to address it wow it just blew my mind potentially i don't know maybe it's a strength or maybe I am firmly rooted up my own ass. I have I, no idea. No way of knowing. I, too I don't know, tell. man. Both of us felt like we were. <laughs> there was something there that we just couldn't quite peg. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll. we'll uh, yeah. <laughs> you, I like that that me. caught up with you. <laughs> you, you punned me. Yeah, I t- I, I'm not a quick man. I, I think I've made that clear. <laughs> well. Fascinating stuff. You know, if you if you can have, you know, I, I could probably talk about this movie for another three hours, and that's that's more than enough for me to call it a damn good movie. So that's where I'm at with it. I can leave it at that and deal with my own demons on my own time, probably. <laughs> well, then there you go. That's one of the things that we need to add then as this forewarning. Can you handle mm-hmm. animal violence? There's going to be kid stuff, but it's also going to make you question your own morality and might make you feel like shit. So up to yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, if you're ready to look at a mirror and say, what's wrong with you? This is a good movie to start with. <laughs> Why did it's I an entry like point. this? <laughs> yeah. What's happening to me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, it seems like we both kind of walk, walked away with the same feeling that mm-hmm. it was good. It was really well done. The acting was just fucking incredible. And that casting, man. It, oh, the well, that was one of the other things. Actually, I did write that down. That Ida and her mom are really mom and daughter in real life. Oh, you know what? That tracks. They, they look a lot alike. I just assumed it was part of the good casting, but I, I guess in a way it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, how many that girl can act? Oh my oh, god! Shit. I know that that what she could do with her eyes mm-hmm. and the She's shark. Like, oh. She's got yeah. She's you're gonna you're yeah. She's got doll's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but when she when she's like concerned, which is a majority of the movie, and yeah. not like super, and when she's not smiling and happy about stuff, no. it's looked like there's a whole lot going on behind her eyes that you're like, oh man, what's this? What's going on in this kid's head? Prequel. Know, we need a prequel. Like, her backstory. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what she was really like in the womb. Let's. I think that'll answer some questions. <laughs> Who's her father? Who's her real oh, father? No. <laughs> I think I have a show called Mori Povich that we should check out for your next episode. As long as it's within the confines of that apartment complex, then we know where she got the power. <laughs> All right. There you go. We can do it. We can make it connect. Well, thank you, Andy, so much for joining me to talk about this movie. 
Thanks for letting me talk about this movie. I could absolutely use any opportunity to pontificate wildly. I I love it. And these kind of movies that that challenge us, it it just it sticks with you and it makes you want to talk about it. And that's why I love this horror community. You know, I could sit and argue with someone for three hours about my distaste of malignant, and they're gonna think it's one of the best <laughs> movies they've ever seen. And Oh man, we are so on the same page. Um, you go. Oh my ahead. god, <laughs> I, I, I don't even have words for that film. But anyways, um, it, it's just, it's great being able to talk about this stuff in such a safe environment. I feel like there's not a lot of of people that I've come across that, you know, will hear me say that I think *Malignant* is one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my lifetime, and I have very little respect for James Wan now. And, um, Oh yeah, no, that brought him down to basically. Going deep. Oh, well, he wasn't even there filming half of it. He was literally I'm not sure on he set. Wasn't. I, how was the director that... not on set? I, anyways, uh, but it's good because, you know, most of the people that I end up talking to about horror movies in my day in and day out life, don't really like the slow burns. They don't like the intellectual. They don't like the stuff that's going to really make you sit and think. I mean, I've got a couple friends that do, but it's enjoyable having guests on like you to talk about this stuff and analyze it to death with me. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know what you should do is you should get Eskil Vogt on for, for an episode, the director of this film, because I did hear on some secondhand critique or something that he is staunch it's after my own heart staunchly against the designation of elevated horror because he thinks horror is plenty intellectual on its own in the right hands and i am very much in that camp so you know yeah i don't know it's it's a pretty broad genre and if you start drawing too many scream-esque rules it stops being fun <laughs> scream-esque rules i like that yeah We'll tell you what, I'll reach out to Iskil, and if if he'll be on here with us one day, then we'll revisit this. Let me know. I'll be I'll, I'll be right <laughs> in there. Well, do you have anything up and coming um, that you would like to tell anybody about in the next um, month or so? I have a few court dates. No, um, I <laughs> think we just do our, our weekly podcast. That's kind of the main thing. Um for on my end, anyway, we have a lot of stuff. J- Justin, my co-host, does a lot of stuff on YouTube as well. Straight Chilling Podcast. We're all on most of the social networks, except for TikTok, because we're millennials and we're not allowed. Um, and uh, let's see. You also Anything mentioned else? Waxing the Porpoise. So I know yeah. that this is sort of a, another podcast that you're a part of. Talk about that. Oh, yeah, I'm not a, really a part of it. That uh, Jim and Steve are, um, or Jim is a frequenter on our Slack channel, which we have a nice, nice community on uh, these days. And one of the things byproducts of our of being a member of our community is inevitably at some point you will start your own podcast. <laughs> it's just kind of built into it. They see how low the bar is, and they're like, "Yeah, I could probably do that." Um, <laughs> And uh, Jim and Steve are really great at it. They have a good good rapport with each other. And um, it's not entirely horror movie reviews for them either. They do some true crimey stuff. They do some some just sort of general interest stuff. Um, they're interesting guys. So I was on an episode of that talking about Santa Sangra. Santa Sa- I don't I'm I presume I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> um, and then. Oh, gosh. We did an episode of Plug It Up with Caitlin, um, our friend Caitlin, another stalwart of the Slack channel and um, a horror community figure in her own right. Uh, we talked about the Stepford Wives, so there's that. I feel like I'm definitely forgetting something and I'm going to beat myself up about it later. But lot, lots of guest spots recently, but more than, more, more than anything, it's the standard old podcast and us being jerks to each other talking about <laughs> horror movies. Well, and you guys also have a Patreon. We do, yeah. We have a Patreon, which you're, we we just um, sold out our picks. Are like uh, we have a tier where you can pick your own movie for twenty five dollars. There's only five per quarter, so that just dropped recently. It's sold out, but there will be another one before you know it. You can force us to watch whatever horrible movie you can think of. It's it. 
We've That's we've so plumbed tempting. the depths. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then there's you know monthly polls. No, 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 no. We we do a whole lot of like a lot of things to try and get people you know their say in how we do the show. We do voicemails on the show. Call in, leave us a prank phone call, whatever. Pretty easy going. Well, it sounds fun. And anybody listening, you should join and follow them. Straight Chilling Podcast. <laughs>